Bruce Bochy won the World Series with the Rangers this year. It's his first year as manager. And I guess it's kind of surprising how often that kind of seems to happen with new managers or, well, how often it doesn't happen with them. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Well, we've gone over the role of managers in this podcast at kind of different times, talking about what they do and what they contribute to the team. And so it was kind of interesting this year where we saw Bruce Bochy take a Ranger squad that just two years a year ago lost 100 games. Now, obviously, there's been a significant amount of roster turnover since then. But here comes in Bruce Bochy this year, and he's able to lead them to the World Series this year. And he's getting a lot of credit for that as being a big reason why they got that title. And, and I think uh, he... You know, almost the team was not far from not making the playoffs at all. For right. remember, you know, at the very right. end of the so season, if, so it's a big change. I mean, you know, a game or two goes differently in the regular season. They don't make the playoffs at all instead of winning it all. So, I mean, it's interesting how just that slightest bit of margins and just getting to the postseason gave them this chance for them to have this World Series title. And, and you mentioned it hasn't happened very much. So there's a few different categories, right? So Bochy had managed before, even won a World Series before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're winning a World Series in your first year with the team, but you had managed before, there's only three other guys in, in as managers that did that. Um, and one of them is Bucky Harris, who we talked about in our Washington Senators podcast, and he managed the Yankees mm-hmm. to a World Series in 1947. Um, Bob Lemon, so they, they fired Billy Martin in the middle of the season in 1978, and the Yankees ended up winning the World Series. That's the second, the third guy, and then Lou Piniella um, ca- came in with the Reds in his first oh, year. Oh, okay. So he had managed before he was with the he Reds. He had managed then. before he managed the Reds. Correct. Okay. And so, uh, but that's the only guys um, that ever you know won won a World Series, having gone someplace at all, and came in there. So you think about this year, right? So anybody moving? So Bruce Boshi came in, in, in obviously into that. Is there anybody who's won a World Series that's you know moved over? No, there, I guess we don't have any candidates there. But we have a lot of first year managers coming right. up this year. We do. And, and so does that change the mojo? Um, can you possibly you know? come in and all of a sudden take a team that was right there and all of a sudden because you're there like Bruce Bochy was. Well, I, I think more so it's less that it's you and it's just that you're not somebody else. I think you saw that last year with the Phillies and getting rid of Ger- uh, who was their manager? Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi. Getting rid of Girardi and bringing Rob Thompson. Whatever the vibe Girardi had in that clubhouse did not work for them and Thompson promotes a better one. I think that's a large part of the reason why the Mets moved on from Showalter is that the cult clubhouse culture and vibe that Showalter had established wasn't working. And so the easiest way to change that is to change the guy at the top that sets it all. And, and in Buck Showalter's case, and we talked about this a little bit, usually it takes Buck, like he always has a good first year wherever he goes. And right? he's like he a middling second year and, and a bad third year. And you, then so he's usually gone. it takes three or four years for the cycle to go through right, before he gets it, fired. I think everybody <laughs> getting hurt this year just sort of sped it up. And, and it felt kind of bad that he got fired because it wasn't anything in particular that Met fans saw him do or not do. It was just you had too good a team to be that bad. Right. And, and you're going to take the fall as the manager because he can't fire the players. So he's, you know, he's looking for a job someplace. Uh, might be he won't get the Angels job because no, Ron Washington, Ron Washington no. took that. And, you know, Ron Washington takes that job. Probably not going to get it. He's going to be there while they're terrible. Yeah, because they're going to probably get talk about taking one for the team. Well, yeah, because they're going <laughs> Otani's going to go sign elsewhere. Because yep. I think every, like everybody expects he's not Trout's going to be traded. I think. Yeah, we think that Trout's going to get traded, and that team's going to have nothing. But you bring in Juan Washington to teach this what's going to be a young, inexperienced team how to navigate 
a full season of professional baseball. And I think that's a big part of what the managers do now is you're less responsible for whatever strategy you're using. Cause let, let's be honest, you're the amount that the manager is contributing to the overall baseball strategy of this team is much, much less compared to what an NBA coach or an NFL coach is contributing. I a hundred percent agree with that. Or even in terms an of NHL the, coach. The, the on the field stuff where the manager does it. We talk about this, you know, maybe your bullpen usage late in games, right, but even then get... depending on the team you're on, you might not even have any say about that. You're just following what the computer spits out at you to do. So um, I think there are only five rookie managers. I know I can know I know two of them that have won the World Series. So we have rookie managers this year. One of them is at least here in New York, and right. Carlos Mendoza. You're going to see that, but yeah, it was Cora and Brenly. Right, both got a World Series win in their first year as a manager. And Brenly always it always blew my mind because he literally came out of the team. No, he was a major league player, major league catcher, you know, a decent player, but came out of the broadcast booth where he was somewhat outspoken, and then all of a sudden he goes and replaces Buck Showalter, and the D-backs won the 2001 World Series with him at the help. I don't think he ever did very much after that. He got a World Series, though. Ralph Houck comes in in 1961 for the Yankees, and I thought, well, well okay, right, because in 1960 the Yankees outscored the Pittsburgh Pirates it's 55-27 in the World Series and lost. and lost four games to three. So obviously, you know, we have to get rid of this manager. We can't be losing to the Pirates. And they you can't lose a series like that. And, and Ralph Howe get- comes in and manages the 61 Yankees, which were the great teams of all time. Right, but that was just a team that was career. Like, he didn't really have to do a whole lot. No, you write Maris, you write Mantle, you write Maris, you write Mantle, and, and you, you go. And, you're good. <laughs> and Bob Turley. Um, Eddie Dyer, um, so he managed the Cardinals in 1946. Um, I don't remember who they fired in 1945. Uh, they lost the World Series in 45 to the Detroit Tigers. Um, so that was unacceptable because they had won in 42 and 44. It's like, the Cardinals win World Series. We lose. We have to be fired now. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so, Mistake. Uh, so not a guy I'm familiar with. And Bucky Harris um, managed the Senators in 1924. And that was his first year as manager. He was a player manager you know, for the team at that time. So there are a lot of player managers I, when you go back in history. Right, most of them aren't great. No, no, Tris Speaker, probably one of the best for the 1920 uh, Cleveland Indians. And Rogers Hornsby, uh, and he wasn't, he was an older guy by the time he started doing that kind of stuff. So. Usually you were doing that because you were already kind of washed. Yeah, yeah. Pete Rose did it. Frank Robinson did it. Uh, there yeah. weren't a lot of guys that were player managing when they were at the top of their career. And so we both agree, right, that there's no player manager opportunities. I mean, I couldn't even think of anybody. You, would just, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't ask a player to do that nowadays. I know. I have a great guy to be player manager. Oh, who? Shohei. <laughs> yeah, funny. Well, he does everything else. He, he pitches. Ha, he hits. Ha, ha, <laughs> he should be the manager, too. <laughs> yeah, funny. Funny guy. I'm are. batting cleanup today. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's no only speaker was the only guy to win a World Series as a player manager. Right. And in. And, and, I just think that's the kind of thing where you're just not going to see it anymore. So it's kind of like one of those things that happens from like the before time in baseball. Like, oh, yeah, some guys just used tree branches they plucked off of trees on the way to the stadium. <laughs> and it's, it's it was a money-saving thing, I think, in, in a lot of ways, because you could bump the guy's salary, a Tris Speaker, whatever he was being paid in 1920 as a player, going, oh, you want to manage the team? We'll give you an extra 20 bucks, and you can be the manager, too. <laughs> right, which just cost him less than paying whatever the manager was going to cost and, and him. And so I think about that when I relate it to today, and when in council getting $8 million annually, $40 million for five years to manage the Cubs, mm-hmm. right? The highest paid manager in the history of Major League Baseball, and, and, and they offered more than anybody else. And so I'm thinking, well, if you really think the manager's 
that impactful and that good. It's such a small price to play to pay rather than paying some pitcher right, thirty paying million dollars. You're paying like what is like a mid tier bullpen arm for right, your, so the I, best manager in baseball. It's an easy investment if you think about I it checked, that way. Last I checked, right? Doesn't count against the salary cap. No. <laughs> So I think if you want a manager, I don't see why you wouldn't do what the Cubs didn't go out and pay the guy or overpay the guy. And said, I'm not sure what not paying him accomplished unless you just didn't want the guy. Well, well you didn't want to be there like Craig Council didn't want right, to be exactly. a Right, I don't think – I think the thing is, is less that just the Cubs came and offered him a sum of money and he, he was like, well, I'm going to not get that from the Brewers because the Brewers just don't spend like that. The Brewers were never going to give him eight million. They they barely play their own players eight million dollars a year. They're not going to pay the manager that. And so when you think about, and we just heard uh, today that uh, it's here on Sunday that Joe Espada is going to be. He was the bench coach for the Astros. Is going to be the new manager of the. So he's a first year manager with a team that arguably should compete at the very least to go to go back the to the playoffs World series, and the World right. Series. So there's a guy that could really step up and, in his and, first and, year. But that's also a kind of guy that could have a terrible first year because a bunch of guys get hurt. Oh, well, that could happen. Right, right, right. So it's just like it's a, lot of, a lot of those times where you get these guys on their rookie year winning a World Series and they're taking over for a good team. It might just have been, well, the year before everybody got hurt and then the year then the new guy comes in, they all get healthy and play well. So I, I think that sometimes when you're a rookie manager with a really good team, you're just mostly there to not get in the way. Right, with rookie manager for sure. Right, like I'm thinking Joe, Joe's about it. He just needs to not get in the way in Houston. And you know, and the Mets tried this rookie manager thing with Luis Rojas a couple of years ago. That didn't go very well. It didn't go well. And it was supposed to be a pretty good team at the time too. So now you're going to try with a new guy. But if you think about all the teams that are were either hired new managers or are looking for managers, it struck me that there's a lot of good teams. You know, uh, Angels, mm-hmm. not, notwithstanding, not- uh, the Giants. I mean, that's a good team. They got a new manager. Right, Cleveland. That was a playoff team. Obviously, Frank Kona retires. Now they've got Stephen Vogt. They've got a new manager, first-year manager, with a good team. Are the, Indi- are the Indians? Are the other? <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. The Guardians. Uh, the Guardians, you know, um, a central division, you know. Uh, they would like to think of themselves. Right? As. I think they have a chance to win the central division. Um, the Mets, obviously, they think that they have a chance. The Padres, because <laughs> the Giants stole their manager. Exactly. Uh, the Astros just the Brewers. Filled the Brewers. So it's really interesting how you have all these opportunities for first-year managers to have their team go not only to the playoffs, but if you look at Bruce Bochy, well, that's all the way. I think that's also another thing that's part of the reason why you see more and more first managers have first time managers having a shot is teams get rid of managers faster than they ever have before so you're naturally going to have more and more first time managers as teams are also less and less willing to try out retread guys you're not seeing these guys bounce around from job to job like you kind of used to see these career managers that would somehow end up managing for six or seven different teams over their career yeah, or, or in Connie Mack's case, managing the same team for 53 years. Right, that doesn't happen as much either. <laughs> that, that, you have guys managing for these teams, more teams for less time overall, which is going to lead to an increase in first-time managers. And and you're right. I think you know if you had a reputation as a uh, – back then, if you go back to uh, – I'm thinking of Dick Williams and, and with the A's in 72 and mm. 73. You know, they won three straight uh, World Series, and he won three pennants with three clubs. That's pretty unusual, and that has to speak something to the manager, or is he always getting good teams? <laughs> I think it speaks something to the manager because getting pennants wasn't easy. 
you had to win the you had to win your league that your Connor yeah your league so that's not uh, easy uh, right you you at least well, at least in 1972 he had to not only win the league he had to win the division series at ALCS right so that 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 was an impressive you know piece of work from him to do that with three different teams I think you would say okay he's a good guy that's clearly getting the most out of his ball clubs you know maybe he's lucky because he avoided injuries in those years but a manager has no influence over that he can only play the guys he's got. And if he was able to guide his guys to three straight championships, you have to give him credit for that. And he came up before that. He managed the Red Sox. Uh, so that's before divisional play. And they went to the World Series and lost in 1967. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one. The Cardinals beat them. Um, and the Red Sox obviously were still on their 0 for the century since 1918 mm. you know, thing. I, I just think it's just what your role as a manager has changed. You're, you're there to keep the guys aligned, get the young guys to understand what it means to be a a ball player day in and day out and get the vibe good. You're, you're not, you don't need to be the rule and law guy because you don't need to do that. The world does it for you. Well, you made a really good point. I think on like Ron Washington, because he's there to teach. Right. Right. So that's a different role than a team that's supposed to start. Carlos the- Mendoza is there to make sure that all of those guys are unified and pushing forward together, making sure that McNeil and, and, and Lindor don't have fights over raccoons or right. whatever or it was. That the vibe in the clubhouse is good. That guys are focused in working and not divided for whatever reason and 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 he he speaks spanish you know very well obviously um and 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 he was the yankee bench coach i i think it's it's ever more important that you know having a guy who doesn't speak spanish when you have teams that have lots of spanish speaking how do you really get the inside vibe there if you don't hear it yourself you you have to be really reliant on your players then and it's not not a good thing and i think that's just kind of like the different the difference now that a lot of times managers are more like almost like the therapists for these guys. They have to be there to help them through their struggles during the season. Whereas before it's like your manager was there to make sure that your guys didn't do anything stupid when you were on the road. Because I mean, you only had, you didn't have, everybody wasn't walking around with mini video cameras in their pocket. If a player goes out when he's on the town, when he goes to LA and does something stupid, there's pictures and there's videos of it on the front page and on YouTube the next morning. Back in the day, that didn't happen. So you had to be a lot more on top of your guys to make sure that they weren't running around getting smashed between games each night. You had bed checks. Right. You had to do bed <laughs> checks. You don't have to do that anymore. No, no you don't not, do that. Not nearly to the same degree. Do you remember when we were, we were at the uh, event last week with Ron Darling? Uh, yeah. talking and so um kelly true kelly and troop said um oh uh, the airplane thing with the mets and ron wanted nothing to do no with he that. didn't <laughs> like, like, so the mets um were, were legendarily were, destroyed destroyed a 747 or a 737 <laughs> like literally it was like it was like ridiculous amounts of damage that they had to pay you know on this plane they just, just they never denied it no they never they said it didn't, and then it. they just don't really want to talk about it so um the manager doesn't have to mess with stuff like that anymore right. either you don't have to deal with that more because also the players coming up are have been in these almost professional type systems since they've been little kids for the most part they know what it is like to play baseball as a year-round profession so because of that they're not going to be nearly as well you know bryce harper's intensity and desire to win is seen as being a wild shot you don't have nearly you don't have guys like the 86 mets where they're just ripping lines in the dugout during games uh, here's a thought I just had. So when you think about older managers, Ron Washington, 71, going to be managing potentially 21-year-olds, you know, for the uh, the Angels. Do you think that the age gap, uh, if if a 70-year-old guy was to manage a team 50 or more years ago, is greater today between the 70-year-old and the 20-year-old? 
or 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 less or the same. I, I think in some ways the difference is important, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. I don't think you really care as much about Ron Washington's ability to relate to the kids as much as you care about his ability to be like, no, look, I, I don't care. We're here to play baseball, and I'm here to help you learn how to be a baseball player. And he doesn't need to relate to them, and him being almost more aloof than that is probably helpful because I, I think people don't – it's hard – to get up and play 162 games. They t- like, I don't think it's easy to think about playing a game every day for 21 straight days. And you're going to different towns during that. And you're flying all over the place and you're exhausted. And you have to wake up. You have to play another game today. You just really don't want to play a game and you got to play another one. It can weigh on you. And that's where having an experienced manager like LeBron Washington can be really helpful rather than having a guy that's managing and learning like what it's like to be a manager going through that for the first time. I, I, I so agree with that. And, and, you know, Ron Washington, who did an excellent job with the 2010 and 2011 Rangers, you know, they didn't win the World Series. Right. So he sort of gets and, hung with that a little right. bit. And so if you're Ron Washington, I might not be here when they're good, you know, five, six years from now. But if I do my job really well, maybe we get there while I'm still there. Right. And, and, you know, listen, if you, you, you turn them into a playoff team in three or four seasons, you might get to reap the rewards of that a little bit. And, and, you know, five years from now, when he's 76, he could run for president because, yeah. you know, that just seems the thing you do, you know, once you get into your late 70s. Now, you don't become a baseball manager anymore. You run for president. <laughs> So I, I, I think I think the teaching aspect is is so different um, f- for a situation like that. There aren't many that so Buck Showalter yeah. isn't going to walk into a teaching situation, right? You, you, Dusty you, Baker took the job because no one else would. Right. You needed those guys to steady the franchises. You needed those guys to provide the stability and understand and handle the media day in and day out. You're not you don't need these guys to teach these kids how to play ball. They know how to do that. And and being a first time manager, it's interesting because you know you you haven't you've been through plenty of seasons, so it's not like all these first year guys like uh, Mendoza, or right? But but you've never been the manager, been the guy, and you've some never, guys handle it better than other guys. You never had to answer to the press every single day. You know, Carlos Mendoza. Maybe the press talks to him every day as the bench coach for the Yankees, but they use a quote from him once every three weeks, if that. Now, every single day, everything you say is the back page article of the New York Post. Now, every single day, it's Francisco Lindor coming into your office, talking to you about why the team hasn't been, you know, I'm not happy with how things are going. What are you going to do to fix this? You don't have to be the guy that, that Buck sends to go calm him down. You have to be the guy that figures out who's going to go do that for you. And and the first year manager, you know, Stephen Vogt, who's been known to be very, uh, you know, a funny guy and a very, you know, guy comes quick wit and all that. Um, I think that would be a nice change for that organization to have somebody there like that because Terry Francona did things his own way. He was a great manager for them. Right. Uh, that's going to be a hard thing. It, it's replacing replacing him, but but because they're both kind of, you know, interesting guys with, you know, bright wit. But if you have a new guy who was a catcher, and, and I always like catchers as managers because, you know, I feel they, they see the field differently. Very cerebral. They, they, they've seen the field differently than everybody else from their perspective, you know, being behind the plate. So I, I think it won't be any of that. It's when a guy comes maybe from AAA and hasn't been, and that really doesn't happen so much anymore where you bring a guy in at the minor from the minor leagues to the major league level. A lot of the times I think that's because you want the guy that you're bringing in as manager to have some familiarity with the players that he's going to be managing the next with season. With those – and the team itself? Potentially. So- 
or at least you want him to be you want him to have been up at the major league level mm. recently because to got, bring a guy straight from AAA up to the majors when he's never been there he's never seen what it's like I think that's why you're not worried about Cabrera because he's traveled with the Yankees for full seasons as the bench coach he's been there day in day out he's watched the major league manager doing the, his job it's like as you're the if you're going from the minor league to the major league all of a sudden you're playing a lot more games that was one of the things Ron Darling talked about in that thing in that thing we went to is that when you're in the minor leagues a lot of times you're playing three games and you have an off day then you play three more games and you have an off day you don't have that in baseball it's a really good interesting and, and, point and he I made. Think that would affect the manager just as much because getting your guys through that is something you have to be able to manage them to do and if you've never experienced that yourself you're not going to be you have no idea how to navigate that because you're going to be learning it too yeah darling was saying basically you know so go on the road like you said for 21 days yeah. and play in four different cities and not be home for three weeks that's how you train minor leaguers for what it's like in the major leagues don't have them go someplace for two nights and they get you know they they take a couple days off and they play a weekend series someplace else that's not what the major leagues is like at all exactly and i think that that yes you're taking the planes everywhere but if you're taking a plane getting a bad night of sleep then playing a game the next day getting a bad night of sleep playing the game the next day and then you're flying off somewhere else that's rough do you think Craig Council, first-year manager with the Cubs, they have a chance because he's there now? Is their chance improved They're, enough with him just being there? I think if you're going to say that they have a chance to be a play, they were almost a playoff team this year. They're probably going to be a playoff team next year, especially if they go out as they're rumored to be the favorites for Otani. You make moves like that, you make the playoffs. Yeah, you got a chance. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's enough pitching there right now for them. If you to, go and get Otani. That changes. He things. won't be pitching next year, though. That is true. So I, I think so. It won't be a first year, is what I'm saying. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think they can have an impact on it, but I, I I think the manager's impact is more, like you said, on the psychological aspect of where the team's the direction going. and mood of the team more than anything. Else. That's what you really is. Yeah, if you got a good team, don't mess it up. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter at Almost Hoop.